One, two, three into the boat. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door, ready to make an entrance. So back on up because you know we're about to give me the microphone first so I could bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together. Yeah, you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too loked out, going crazy. Yeah, I can keep going. <laughs> Hi friends, this is Steve and welcome to episode 52 of the Assyrian Podcast. Over the last two weeks, we've been exploring the people behind the podcast. And on today's episode, we get to know the other co-founder, Adessa Kiriakus, aka Des. My favorite thing about this episode is that we get to follow Odessa from San Jose, then to Chicago, and then on to Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, where she now lives. Preserving the Assyrian culture, navigating new relationships, and pursuing career passion requires a certain bit of grit and finesse, and both of which you're going to hear on today's episode. Thank you, Odessa, for all the work you've done and everything you've put into the Assyrian podcast and all the other things you do for the Assyrian people. And also, thank you for taking time at last year's convention to meet with me for this interview. I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to get to know you in a better way. Also, stay tuned for Odessa's new Assyrian female rap album that's coming out later this year. That was a joke. Support for the podcast comes to us from Tony Calgaracos and the injury lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Calgaracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyer Publications and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at InjuryRights.com or at 847-982-9516. Support for this podcast also comes from John O'Shauna with HomeSmart. Whether you're thinking about purchasing or selling your own home, either in Arizona or California, contact John O'Shauna Real Estate Professional at 209-968-9519 or on Facebook at John O'Shauna Realtor, or on Instagram at John.O'Shauna. Reach out to John with any questions about buying or selling your home. And now, here is Odessa. Odessa, thanks so much for being on the Assyrian podcast. Yeah, it's so cool being on this side. Yeah, and... (laughs) It's awesome for me to be able to interview you, having you know worked with you all this time on the podcast, and I'm excited for like what it means for you because now you're gonna have to deal with every time you go to interview someone, you know what it's like. Yep. So, and I just wanted to do a quick little background based on what I know. Born and raised in San Jose, and then college in San Jose, and actually got a bachelor's degree in behavioral science and sociology. Before we actually get into your education, how many siblings do you have? I have two other siblings. I'm the eldest. I have a younger brother, David, and a younger sister, Eden. Excellent. So your parents came here to the United States when? They came pretty early. My mom came and she finished her last, her senior year in high school in Modesto. Oh, good. So she was around 16 years old. And then my dad came around 18, 19 years old, if I'm not mistaken. And actually, funny story, they, cute story, they met at Modesto Junior College because my dad was teaching an Assyrian language class for all of the young Assyrians that were there. 
and my mom was one of the students. <laughs> that is an awesome so story. It's interesting because they came from two different countries, but both Assyrian and had met and fell in love in Modesto. Why was your dad doing that class? He was a, and still is, a shamasha. He's a deacon in the church. And so from a very early age, he knew how to read and write. And that was very important for him to let other, to, to give people the opportunity to also learn the language if they were interested in it. So there was definitely an interest and he was more than willing to. And your mom obviously took the course, so she was interested. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect way for them to meet. <laughs> so that's the key. If you want to find someone, just start teaching Assyrian courses. Uh, or partake in them. <laughs> yeah. But another part of that is how did you guys end up in San Jose? So they were, yeah, they were in Central Valley for a bit. Then my dad went to dental school in San Francisco. My They were married at that time, so my mom was with him. And San Jose was an, a fresh uh, Assyrian, had a fresh Assyrian community there, still relatively small at that point. And so they were like, okay, San Jose is a good spot to be. There's a lot of opportunity here. And my dad set up his practice there, and the rest is history. So I'm assuming, you know, with your mom and dad meeting in that sort of setting, they then raised their children to really be involved in the Assyrian culture and community. I was heavily, myself and my siblings were heavily immersed in the Assyrian culture from our very early stages. Like the Assyrian American Association of San Jose used to put on some really cool programs for younger kids to get involved. There were games, there were tournaments. I grew up and many people who are listening to this may be familiar with the uh, AB... The ABC games, Assyrian basketball, something. Yeah. That the older Assyrians would put on, and older, and I, I mean like young adults. Met, like some yeah. couples met. I think one of our previous people had met on there. Yeah. So we would do basketball, partake in it, and soccer and all that. And then we'd grow up a little more, and then we would watch the games of the older people. So then we would just be around them, and it would it would feel so cool to be Assyrian because they made it seem so cool. So we were constantly around that as well. And because I was involved in those and then also involved in church, you know, I'd go to church every Sunday, I'd see other Assyrians. And so I developed a a good relationship with them very early on. And it just stuck with me. So I'm, I'm very appreciative that my parents did that because it helped set up a really great foundation of what is important to me. Later on, I balanced my life a little bit more with like non-Assyrian stuff, just because I, I feel like there needs to be a balance. But I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And that sort of leads into, you got your bachelor's degree in behavioral science and sociology. And what I'm really interested to know is as you were doing that degree, how much of your Assyrian culture and heritage was influencing what you were reading and what you were learning about what it means to be an Assyrian? Yeah, good question. So with behavioral science at San Jose State University, it was like a three-part. You would take classes in anthropology, in sociology, and in psychology. In the early stages, I was taking like cultural anthropology, and I was taking all of these different sociology classes, and especially with the intro to sociology, where I really began to understand being Assyrian from a different lens that there were terms for so sociology is the study of people and how they interact with each other and so I very much thought about Assyrians the entire time I came in as a bio major and I was just like I don't want to do this like I was in my classes I wasn't enjoying the content I wasn't enjoying the people that I was around 
So I was like, I've got to do something else. And it was by chance that I was going to take a summer course and that the intro to sociology was covering one of the areas. And I absolutely fell in love. I was learning about all of the different theories. I, I was taking cultural anthropology and learning about what it means to be a culture, the definition of that as well as what helps keep a group of people together, as well as what separates them. How do you hold on to language? How do you hold on to particular customs? Are they native to a certain group of people or not? So anyway, every chance that I had in those classes to write about Assyrians, I would do so. Because the topic would be very broad, and you would be learning about or writing about a particular group of people. So I always took the opportunity to then talk about Syrians because that would mean that I would have to write the paper anyway, so why not do the research on it as well? I was even more in love with being a Syrian as I began to research more and more about who I was. The thing is, is a lot of people don't view, as an Assyrian, I didn't view myself within this subculture. I mean, we knew we were Assyrian and maybe we would put Assyrian pride on our folder at school or something. Right. But then when you study that, what are you really doing when you do stuff like that from a sociological perspective? It, it all of a sudden shifts of how you viewed yourself and how your community views itself. Mm-hmm. So that's cool to know that for you, like you took your amazing Assyrian upbringing and now you're starting to think of it in technical terms. Yeah. And then when you finished with your bachelor's degree, what were you planning? Obviously, you went for your master's degree and you went off to Chicago. What school did you go to? I went to Loyola University in Chicago. And what was going on there to make the jump from your like West Coast girl jumps to Chicago? Like what was going on there? <laughs> when I had finished my undergrad, I was working for two years for an education nonprofit in the Bay Area. But I always knew that I wanted to continue my education because I wanted to work in the field of higher education, working at a university. And for many of those positions, when I was doing informational interviews with people, a lot of those people had master's degrees and said that you had to have a master's degree in order to get one of those positions. But I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to pursue my master's in. So I gave it a couple of years. And um, what were you doing during those two years? Work-wise, or yeah. um, so the it's it's called Strive for College, and oh, it works okay. with pairing mentors who are college students or college graduates with high school students who are in under-resourced schools. Many times, the first in their families to go to university, so they they lack a lot of resources and support needed to then go to college. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a myriad of things for them, but really I was creating opportunities within chapters within the Bay Area so that we could connect local universities with the local high schools and pair them up so that they're doing one-on-one mentoring each week. So it was awesome. Um, and then I knew, I had heard from a friend that uh, was going to Loyola at that time that he was pursuing his master's. It was an MED in higher education. So it was broad enough where you can go in and then specialize in something once you're in there based off of the electives that you would choose within your master's programs. So I applied and I applied to many universities all over the U.S. I wasn't stuck on just the Bay Area or California I was looking for universities in particular in which I could receive a stipend through working, so like an assistantship, because there were there were those opportunities available. So I'm like, why would I have to pay for a master's program if I don't have to, if there are programs available? And if I'm not picky on where it is in, in, in the States. California didn't have a lot of like funding for that no, stuff, like right. not a lot of assistantships. 
So um, I got accepted into a couple of schools and I ultimately ended up choosing Loyola. It's a great university. It was a faith, it's a faith-based university, mm-hmm. which is different than, you know, the state school that I went to. So I was like, that would be cool too, to get more in touch with my spiritual side. Um, it was a private institution, which is also different than my undergrad. And I had an uncle and aunt there and there was an Assyrian community there. So all of those things helped shape my decision to ultimately say yes. So I did that for two years. Good. And that was such a good time. Chicago is an amazing city. The Assyrians there were so welcoming, even though I had only met a couple of them or a handful of them through the a church youth conference. You know, they were super, super welcoming. And I will always remember that. Like, I have very pleasant memories in Chicago. And then from Chicago, you your life took a big twist, right? Because then you met some really special person. And oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and wait, th- there's this is actually a really fun question because I feel like learning more about your background, you grew up in this traditional Assyrian home, then you go get your sociology degree, and then you're getting your master's, and you love being an Assyrian. Like, take us through the courtship between you and your future husband. Like, we want to know, how did that all happen? (laughs) Yes, good question. So when I was finishing working and knew that I was going to go into a master's program, I had told my dad a couple of months before that, that I need to go and visit a part of our homeland. I didn't care if it was Iran, Turkey, Syria, or Iraq, but I needed to go. And I needed to go after I was done with work, and before I were to make the move. Why did you need to go? I just felt the the need to do so because I was I was getting involved with so many activities at Why? that point. Why were you getting involved with so many activities? Being a Syrian and upkeeping that is very important to me. Uh-huh. And helping other young Assyrians also find a passion within being a Syrian is very important to me. That's a it's a big part of my identity that I that I hold dearly. So I felt like I was having a disconnect with the involvement that I was doing here and what was going on over there. Like we barely have family that's there. So I really had no connection. Also my Assyrian at that time, even though I was very involved, my Assyrian language and speaking it was not that good. I was not confident in it, even though my mom and dad- So you would need to take in a class like from your dad. Right. Well, I did. I've taken reading and writing since I was like eight years old up until I was an adult, but it's different than conversation. Yeah. And even though my mom and dad would speak to me in Assyrian, I would always speak back in, in English. And so at some point I was like, okay. And I would ask my dad questions all the time of like, what does this word mean? Or how do you translate this word? Because I would give speeches and I needed to translate those speeches in Assyrian. I didn't know the words. And so I'd rely on my dad a lot. And one day I just sat back and I was like, what if, God forbid, my dad is not here tomorrow or next week or next month? Who am I going to ask these questions? Who am I going to ask? My mom may know, but my dad was more familiar with like very particular words. And I was like, okay, I need to start pushing myself to learn how to speak. And so I told my mom and dad, I told my family actually, hey, I need you to work with me and I need you to be really patient with me. 
I'm going to try speaking Assyrian to you every time that you speak back with me. And I would have like stickers all over the house. My brother and sister would like roll their eyes. They're like, dude, this is kind of annoying that there's stickers all over the house that say speak Assyrian. But it was very important to me. And so I was like, I need to familiarize myself with the language. And I also need to go and visit this homeland. What does it mean? Is it even important to me? Is it important that I have a connection with these people? And then by chance, I was watching A&B, like my parents were watching A&B, Assyrian National Broadcasting, and there was a video of Gishru, and it was a documentary covering... What's Gishru? Gishru is an organization that connects Assyrians from the diaspora to the homeland and creates a bridge between the two. And the documentary came on, and I was just like, is this a sign? Like, I had just talked to my dad about it, and maybe a week or two before that documentary came out. And I remember watching it and like, I got super teary eyed. I was just like, this is it. I'm doing this no matter what. My mom's like, you are absolutely not going. I was like, yes, I am. And my dad's like, let her go. She needs to go and experience that for herself. So long story short, I agreed to do it and it fit at a really perfect time. I was ending my job in, um, in March and the Gishu trip usually happens around Chab Nisan, which is around April 1st time. So I decided to go. I applied. They said yes. And I came myself and I think a couple of others from the States and some from Canada, some from Germany, some from Sweden. And we all went to first uh, southern Turkey and then northern Iraq. And so, yeah, on that trip, I, I met my now husband, Asha. And it's such a weird thing because he was from Canada and I had never met him before. And I had never even thought of, obviously, like my life ever later on happening in Canada. And so, yeah, we were together and it was just like a friendship thing at first. Like we spent time with each other like everybody else did because we were all as a group together doing everything for two weeks and it wasn't until later after that that we like continued to connect and then I had moved to Chicago so it was also very close to Hamilton. So how fitting for you to meet a guy named Osher that's pretty amazing <laughs> considering like you're a Syrian background and then all of a sudden a guy named Osher shows up to the Gishu trip and for those people who are listening to this, I want to give you the inside scoop here. If you've ever seen Odessa, which you'll see her on the profile pic for this episode, she's got like this amazing huge hair. <laughs> and then if you ever see Osher, he's got like a model's hair. It's like beautiful, like Elvis Presley status hair. So Odessa didn't tell us that part, but I think that they just saw each other's hair and that was over with. So Game over. <laughs> yeah, game over when you guys saw the hair. But you said you guys were like friends first, so that was like legit. There was no like, ooh, it was just like, oh, we're hanging out on this trip. Yeah, we're just hanging out on this trip. But it's very interesting because if I go back in my Facebook album of the Gishu trip, I'm not kidding, maybe half of the photos somehow have Osher in them. Whether that was on purpose or not, I'm not sure. But as far as I can remember, it was just a friendship thing at first, but... Yeah. I don't know. There I'm is sure clearly Asher something that drew me into him. I'm sure Asher has a different side to this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that was that was so interesting because up until that point, I, much like I'm sure many people, deal with the situation of like, yeah, I'd like to marry an Assyrian. And yeah, we have a very small community. And yeah, there are not a lot of outlets to be able to connect with people. 
And so, yeah, it was like around that time, honestly, that I was just like, all right, I'm just going to be patient with the process and not like force anything. Like whatever happens in the future happens. And then this ended up happening. So, yeah. And again, that's it's so interesting how much north you're going. You went from San Jose to Chicago and now you're in Toronto. Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, Hamilton. Hamilton. Is that like 45 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. 45 minutes south. And how have you felt the Assyrian community is there? They have also been really friendly and welcoming and open. It's just, it's amazing. Like the the group that they have there, Aksu, which many listeners I'm sure have heard of, but it's the Assyrian Chaldean Syriac Student Union. By the way, it's so nice to have you as a guest because like you do that work for yeah. me. You know, I, don't, I don't have to do the clarifying points. It's awesome. I understand how it is. Yeah. Yeah, those people that are part of Aksu are so awesome. Like, they're so friendly with one another. Like, they welcome anybody that comes in. And so, naturally, when I came in as well, I had a connection with Asher. Obviously, all of them did as well. But in addition to that, they're just the sweetest group of people. Canada has the stereotype that they're very nice. And I can't say too much about Canadians in general. I haven't had a whole lot of interaction with them yet. But I can definitely say that about the Assyrian community there. They're very warm and very welcoming. And yeah, I, I absolutely feel that. What year did you meet Asher? In 2014. What year did you get married? Last year, 2017. Oh, okay, November of last year. Yeah, November of last year. With that being said, what did your parents think about this long-distance relationship? I didn't tell my parents until I thought that it was serious mm. and that we would actually be able to take this to the next level. So that's, wait, that's three years or four, 2014 you met him? Yeah. So that's four years before you actually get married. Well, three years, yeah. Three years. 2017, yeah. Oh, my bad, yeah. Yeah. You know, what's nice about Asher is that he's very mature, so it was very easy to start a very serious relationship with each other, which was very refreshing to me. And so when I was ready to tell my parents, obviously I'm going to say all the good things that make someone sound good on paper because that's all they have to work off of first. So I was like, he's a Syrian. You know, and he's they were very like, sold. <laughs> that's great. No, that's not enough. He was like, he's Syrian. He's, you know, very well immersed in the community. He enjoys going to church. He's a chiropractor. He treats me very nicely. You know, all these yeah, things, right? Yeah. And I wasn't lying about them. They were all true. And my parents, you know, they were just like, they're very happy. You know, they obviously wanted to know like who his family was and if they had any relatives mm-hmm. in San Jose or in California. Yeah, they did. So they were able to put two and two together just so that they can familiarize themselves. I think that's what parents naturally do often is like whose parents is so-and-so or like, you know, just so that they can have a better understanding of their background, their upbringing. So yeah, they were like, yeah. that's fine. Go with it. And and see what ends up happening. And we actually went like a more traditional route. People don't, people are starting to do this again, but we did, we had a mashmeta, which a mashmeta is like, it translates to a hearing where his side of the family comes to my side of the family. And it's just very close people. And at more or less asks, Hey, do they have permission to date? Don't they Can call our that son, a, like Dalabuta? Dalabuta is like an engagement. So oh, I see. Okay. It's it's a little bit different. This I the way I think of this, and Asher says this too, is like having a mashmeta means that you can be like social media official. Oh, I see. I like <laughs> That's that. like the nowadays type of thing. Because up until that point, I hadn't posted anything. Neither did he. 
on our Instagrams. Like we didn't rush any of that stuff. I didn't want to put stuff out there until I knew that this was something serious. So, yeah. And just to fa- again, fast forward, you've adjusted well now. You're in Canada and you're working and you're living out there as a wife now. And how, how's all that going? <laughs> yeah, people always ask like so many of the same questions naturally. Like, do you miss California? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I miss California. I think I need to visit every three, four months, and I feel would feel very good. And yeah, then it's the a other great place to visit. It is. You know? <laughs> and they'd ask about weather and, you know, not seeing my family as often. And I think that Chicago naturally ended up becoming a stepping stone for me for that. Yeah. I adjusted with the weather because of that, and I adjusted to not seeing my family as often. So I went through that in that phase. And so then the transition to Hamilton just became like a very natural step. You know, I always say like the only thing that's missing is my family and friends that are there. Yep. And that's what would make it very sweet. I'm sure that it's transformed you, A, to be away from your family and then B, to have to embrace this new family. In some ways, that's probably a lot healthier then, okay, my mom is right down the road. Yeah, yeah. I've grown a lot through my time in Chicago and and really moving away from my family has really taught me and forced me to sort of fend for myself. I mean, as the oldest daughter in your parents' household, for you to leave the home without being married, like a lot of that for a Syrian sometimes is like, you should have not left until you had gotten married, right? Yeah. And of course, that's that's one perspective and many in our Assyrian culture are like, no, we don't even think that way anymore. But for you and your family, they are always giving you permission. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think they would have been okay with it had it not been an educational thing. Like I was going for school. If I was just like, hey, I want to work in Chicago. My dad would be like, sit at home. You're staying here. There's many opportunities in Silicon Valley. You're at the heart of Silicon Valley to find work. Like you don't need to go to Chicago. I love it. You're always (laughs) justifying it with some legit kind of thing. Your parents are going to be like, well, we can't say no to that. Right. So, all right. I want to switch gears here for a second. You got involved with another project. The project is called the Assyrian Podcast, where you're one of the hosts. Yeah. So can you just tell people, why did you get involved with the Assyrian Podcast? And then we'll ask a few more questions from there. Yeah, well, when I started seeing the social media, like on social media, the Assyrian Podcast popping up, I was just like, oh, what? Like, first of all, who's who's behind this? That was my first question. But also, like, this is dope. Like, I, I just started getting into podcasts at that time, and I really enjoyed that media outlet. And so I was like, this is great. I can't wait. And so I was listening to the first episode, first couple episodes, and I would be so engaged. I don't know if you remember, but I would, like, comment on every social media post. Like, this was so engaging. I learned this and this and this about the person. And I really felt that way. And so I think you and I had chatted. And then you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, do you know anybody who would be good to serve as a co-host? And I was just like, yeah, me. <laughs> because at that time, as I was telling you, I was also considering doing a podcast. It wasn't going to be exactly like this. It was going to be a topics-based one. So every week was going to talk about a different topic. And I can give it away now because I'm not going to do it. But it's called. it was called Assyrian Girl Western World. So talking about the experiences of Assyrians in diaspora, because I do think that that's a very different experience, especially when you're born in diaspora or raised like coming to diaspora any of the countries and being raised here from like an early early stage 
so it's going to be topic based. So I was like, okay, you know what? Rather than trying to create another podcast, why would I do that? Like, why not be able to blend that in with what is being done? And so while our episodes aren't topic based, I did get to, I do get to ask people questions that I would have asked otherwise, like on those topics. So, you know, one of the things that I was considering uh, was the experiences of Assyrians who marry non-Assyrians. I've asked Michael Uash about that when I interviewed him. I asked Yvette Haddad about that. That's like the sociological side of me too, where it's like, I'm very interested in how people then retain culture when they marry outside of the Ethnicity. that cultural group, yeah. yeah, that ethnic group. And I think that they do a great job in it. There's no one way to do it. But yeah, so I, I get to ask those cool questions that I would have asked, you know, on that podcast anyways with this one. And I'm so glad I joined because this has been such an amazing project. Yeah, well, I'm glad you joined because as I've told you a number of times that if you hadn't joined, I don't think this would be going because the reality is I only had three episodes like in the cooker when I started the thing. And I was like, if I can't find any hosts, this thing just dies. So you stepped up for two or three months. It was, I do episode, you do an episode. Now, thankfully, we have more. What I want to know, too, is as a newly married woman in Canada who's making new friends, what avenues were created for you through the podcast to be able to build new relationships and then also connect with that community in a, in a kind of broader way? Hmm. Like asking in particular with the podcast, like if that's created an avenue. So, for example, did more people in Canada say, yes, I know Odessa. I listened to her. Uh, on the podcast. I see. I see. No, not a lot of strange. No. Not a lot of people you that I had. already well known. Not like, a lot of people that I had met. Well, I'll say this. Like Osher is very well connected in the community there. People know him very well. And so I think naturally they they know me as well. So I don't know. And if those people have, they haven't reached out to me yet. So if, you, if you're if you a listener in Canada and you haven't reached out to me, I would love to hear your feedback. That would be so awesome. And maybe we can meet and chat about the podcast. That would be so great. Oh, actually, I did meet somebody at Savina and Anthony's wedding who's from Vancouver that I hadn't met before. And he was just like, yeah, I listen to the podcast religiously <laughs> and I really like the work that you guys do. So that was cool. So tell me now, where do you see the podcast going? Where would you like to see it going? And then also, like, what's next for you? What I'd like to see in the podcast or the future of the podcast is that we have co-hosts all over the world. I think that's very important because we have such great people and such great stories that need to be heard. But without those co-hosts, we can't deliver those stories or those stories can't be told to people. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that Assyrian language component too. I do think, you know, while it's much easier to speak in English and do these in English, I do think that we owe ourselves that part of it as well, of having additional episodes or episodes here and there that are in the Assyrian language. Yeah, do English. Okay, so, and then now you're settled down in Toronto and you guys are there for foreseeable future and all that good stuff? Yeah, so the foreseeable future for me, I always say like nothing is permanent. We're there because his practice is there, so it's a lot easier. You can't, it's it's difficult to try to become a chiropractor again in the States. So, yeah, for the foreseeable future, I, what I've 
see for myself is just continuing to expand my network there and even expand it outside of Assyrians. And so getting into some other groups that I can connect with would be really awesome. And... And continuing to get involved with the Assyrian community. No matter where I've been in every city that I've been in, that has been such an important thing for me because I always think from an individual perspective of like, if I don't do it, who will? And obviously life will go on and many people will do it. But I think having that mentality in the back of my head puts a fire under my butt (laughs) to make sure that I am always contributing in some way. And while I still have the time and energy and ability to do it, you know, I don't have kids and I don't have any of that stuff. I don't have that kind of baggage. Having kids, you still have to do the Australian podcast. (laughs) I, I don't see why not, you know, but it helps to have a supportive partner in doing all of that stuff and like encouraging it because we just build off of each other and That's such an important thing for me. So I am grateful to have that opportunity. So I'd like to just continue doing that. Who knows what the future will hold, but... Come on, where's your magic eight ball? We wanted you to (laughs) tell us exactly. Is there something that people don't know about you that, that you'd love to share with us, like a unique, special thing? On a fun note, what people may not know about me is that I absolutely love music and in particular hip-hop and r&b and rap and i retain lyrics like mia like water like it's nothing i can listen to a song and i can learn the lyrics and recite them just like pretty easily so everyone's like how are you a human (laughs) boombox when you are just spitting and i don't know what it is i really don't know what it is i feel like if i had done that with science classes and all my other classes and put a beat to it i would have retained all that information so easily (laughs) no i already know the feature it's odessa kiriakos a Syrian podcast host and DJ. DJ Deso Fresh. Actually, <laughs> that is my uh, made-up DJ name. <laughs> you know, I noticed, yeah, in some text, group text, somebody called you Des. Yeah. People call you Des? Yeah, it's Des for, Adessa, Des for short, yeah. That's so awesome. So DJ Deso Fresh. Okay, well, yeah. look, when you're ready to launch, we need to get you on the podcast to tell everybody about that. Right. Will you be my hype man? Absolutely, right. yes. We'll, we'll show up and just... Uh, take it away. Can you share like one of your favorite lyrics from your favorite gangster rap song? <laughs> Let me try to think of one that doesn't have explicit lyrics. I mean, in it. look, podcast is explicit rated, so I it's know, okay. but people listen to it in the car. Their kids might be in the car. Yeah, that's true. Could you say a song? Like, there's not one that's coming to me, but there's there a song that you're like, could you recite the lyrics to this? How about regulators? Oh. I know the Warren G part, but not like the not the beginning okay, part. Okay, let's just go with uh, less gangster rap, Vanilla Ice. No, I don't know Vanilla Ice. Oh Vanilla Ice is 80s. Okay, fine. He's 80s. All right, all right. How about... Okay, one, two, three, into the boat. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door, ready to make an entrance, so back on up, because you know we're about to... Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together. Yeah, you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too loked out, going crazy. Yeah, I can keep going. Dude, we just figured out the hook for this episode. Boom, done. All right, last question. We've, this has been so much fun. But one thing I love to ask people who are on the Assyrian podcast, if you could say one thing to the entire Assyrian nation who listens to the Assyrian podcast, what would you say? How did I know that this was coming? You know, everyone I ask that question to, usually they pause because it's a big question. Well, it is a big question. What would I say to every Assyrian who's listening to this? 
all around the world. All around the world. First of all, like obviously from a podcast perspective, from a co-host perspective, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And I hope that at least one of these episodes has inspired you in one way or another. We get some really great feedback from people of like, you know, I just started learning about my Assyrian heritage and I came across this and this helped me feel more connected to people in in the diaspora that I might have not been connected to otherwise. So I hope it's inspired you. And if I haven't met you, I look forward to meeting you <laughs> one day to all listeners because I love meeting Assyrians from all over the world. All of these like connections with convention, with Gishru, all these things have created outlets for people to connect. And so now there's friends to be made like all over the world. And these kind of opportunities serve as reunions. So it's really cool to see. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being a part, of course, as a host role, but just taking the time to share who you are and when you're not putting on your host hat. I know it's been a pleasure for me to be able to work with you and to do all this work on the Assyrian podcast. You're easily one of the most professional and hardworking people I've ever interacted with. So we're so thankful to have you on the Assyrian podcast and partner with you on everything. Thanks. Likewise. All right. Thank you, Odessa. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Assyrian Podcast. If you like what you are hearing, please subscribe and review us in the iTunes store or wherever you listen to the podcast. Spread the word about the Assyrian Podcast. It has been so much fun to grow this podcast alongside you, our listeners from all around the world. Thank you for making the Assyrian Podcast what it is. Email us at info at with any questions or comments. Have a great week.